Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to episode eight of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. In this episode, I will be guiding you through the process of choosing a stock brokerage company. This is an important decision primarily because it's one of the first decisions you will make in your investing journey. It can also have a long-term impact on your investing results. I'm going to begin by first discussing what I think the priorities are when choosing a brokerage company. Second, I'll discuss what some of the distractions are that might seem like priorities but really aren't important. And finally, I'm going to end by providing a list of the brokerage companies that I recommend you choose from. So let's dive right in. First up is what are your key priorities that you want to think about? And let's begin by listing them. So my first priority, your top priority, is what is the stock or mutual fund slash ETF availability at that broker? Second, low costs. You want as low cost as possible. And third, and this is a much lower priority, is customer service. So let's go into a little bit more detail about each of these. First is the stock or mutual fund ETF availability. And basically what I mean is, as an investor, you want to buy certain investments with your broker. And your broker's job is to allow you to do so. That broker is giving you the opportunity to make that purchase. And in exchange, you usually pay a fee of some sort in order to do that. So the number one priority that you need to worry about when you're selecting your brokerage company is do they have the stocks that you want to buy? Do they have the mutual funds that you want to buy? If you want to have ETFs and you want to invest in ETFs, but they don't allow you to, that is a bad choice. So although this is the first priority, your number one priority, you'll also find that in general, a lot of brokers have similar options. So while it's the number one priority, it might not actually be a make or break decision between different options because a lot of them are going to have overlap. But with that said, there are some important caveats. One of the key areas you need to pay attention to are what countries do you want to invest in? So I'm here in the United States of America. And in general, a lot of US investors focus on investing a lot of their money in, you know, inside the United States. However, there are also benefits to having investments outside of the United States. And depending upon your broker, you may or may not be able to do so, or you might be restricted on which countries you're able to invest in. A lot of brokers will allow you to invest outside of the United States, but there might be certain restrictions. So you might be able to invest in some European companies that have American depository receipts in the United States. And these ADRs that they're called allow you to 
are have been essentially a bank in the U.S. has bought stock from the European company, and in exchange, they allow people in the U.S. to buy um, essentially certificates that say that they own that stock as well. You get all the dividends, you get all the benefits, you can still vote in the elections, but it allows you to invest outside the United States. These arrangements are common in the U.S. with European countries. But they are less common with, let's say, Asian countries or South American countries. So if you want to invest in a Chinese company, it's not going to be very common for you to be able to do so with a U.S. broker. And so a lot of the common ones are going to have that restriction. So if that's something that you want, you need to make sure to do research to find a broker that allows you to do that. Because otherwise, you're going to be prevented from making that choice. Um, In general, I don't feel like that's a major restriction because although I live in the United States and I have a lot of investments in the US, I also have investments in other countries. Those investments, though, are most of the time through this ADR method where you purchase a depository receipt of a foreign company. And this is primarily because when you're buying your stocks, you're buying stocks or you want to focus on buying stocks where you can trust that there's the rule of law in that country, that your stock ownership isn't going to be taken from you by a government. So if you own stock in you know, a country like Russia or China, where the government is in heavy government control of the economy, that puts your stock investment at risk. So the inability to buy stock in that country isn't necessarily a problem for you because your best options for investments are going to be in countries where there isn't a risk to the government taking over your assets. So the areas that you want to focus most um, are generally the United States. Uh, There's a strong rule of law in the United States. Most European countries um, you can depend upon, especially, you know, the big ones like France, Germany, um, Great Britain, United Kingdom. Those are key focus areas. Also, if you want to venture further out into, say, Asian countries, one of the key areas that you might consider is Japan. I don't really have any investments in Japan because I don't speak Japanese um, and I can't read Japanese, but that's one area that has relatively good rule of law. So your investments are protected from a lot of government theft. Um, But generally, reaching outside of that, you need to always make sure that you are comfortable with the risks. You need to understand the situation. So for me, those are the areas where I understand the situation. It is not an all-inclusive list of where things are safe to invest in. Um, But it is the starting point that I use. So if you live outside of the United States, then you have a different consideration. Perhaps in your country, you know for sure there's good rule of law and everything. So you can do a lot of investments in your country. And perhaps you want to invest in other countries like then investing in the United States or investing in Europe. And you can continue to do so. So you'd have to figure out whether you can invest through the broker in your local country or if you need to work with the broker in, let's say, the United States or Europe to in order to have those transactions go through. So that's number one. You really want to pay attention to do you have that available, Um, especially considering do you just want to buy stocks, like individual stocks? Like I want to buy 100 shares of Apple stock or I want to buy 100 shares of Amazon stock. Um, Some brokers are really good for buying individual stocks. Or do you want to buy a mutual fund? Other brokers specialize in mutual funds or ETFs. So knowing whether you're going to be 
which type of investor you're going to be, whether you're going to focus on doing the research, finding individual stocks, or focus on just being broadly invested in the stock market, that will shape how you choose because those preferences lead to one choice of broker versus another. So again, this is the number one priority you really want to think about. Am I a person that's going to be buying individual stocks or am I a person that's going to be buying mutual funds or ETFs? Now, granted, if you make the choice one or the other, a lot of time there is overlap. You can still buy um, individual stocks at, at the companies that I recommend that specialize in mutual funds. And you can buy buy mutual funds at the companies where I recommend individual stocks. There is overlap there. But again, the preference would be understanding that in advance because you're going to get better deals if you align your investment with that. So your second priority, once you've determined that the broker you're either currently at or that you're investigating in has the options you want to be able to buy, whether stocks or mutual funds, bonds, whatever, your next thing is to focus on cost. So basically any cost you pay your broker is money that is not compounding over time in your investments. So you want to keep those costs as low as possible, preferably zero when possible, but almost always there's some cost somewhere. So you just want to keep that number as low as possible. This has led in general to the rise of online brokerage companies because they're able to leverage the internet to keep costs down. So again, you're focusing on low cost, not just low cost initially, but low cost over time as well. You want to make sure that when you're investing over 10, 20, 30, 40 years, that you keep those costs down because every dollar you pay someone else is a dollar that you don't get to keep. And it's a dollar that doesn't have the chance to become $10 or $100. So even though you might say, oh, you know, a $10 isn't that high or $100 isn't that high of costs. Well, if you're spending that, that's going to add up over time. That is lost compounding, especially when you're getting started, can make a big difference. And I mean, I could harp on that, but this is this is probably the the big kicker. Like it's relatively easy to check whether the company you're investigating has the availability of stocks or or bonds or mutual funds that you want, but it you really need to key on on what are the costs because that is where you're really going to spend your time making sure is you want the low cost providers. Now, number three, which, which is generally, I consider a much lower priority is what I'd call this kind of like broad category of customer service. Um, I almost considered not considering or not including customer service in this list, primarily because at the end of the day, the purpose of the broker is to purchase the stocks or mutual funds that you want to buy for you. They hold those they hold those for you and they're just facilitating the transaction. You're not you don't need to use a broker for all sorts of other things. So the customer service aspect should be a relatively small portion of your decision making criteria. At the it should when used primarily be used as a tiebreaker. So if two equivalent companies have identical costs or similar costs, defaulting to the one with better customer service is where you might choose customer service. But I would never choose a company with better customer service, but higher costs. Because at the end of the day, you should not have to be dealing with customer service on a regular basis. A good broker is going to execute your trades on time. They're going to do it well. They're going to be a good custodian and you're not going to have to worry about it. 
So again, if we go back over what these key priorities were, you had you know, number one, make sure you have the investment availability that you're looking for. Number two, keep your costs as low as possible. And number three, uh, which is really lowers that customer service. And, and one thing I want to include with the customer service is, is maybe things like a mobile app. Um, they're nice to haves. They're a nice tiebreaker. But again, the availability of mobile app shouldn't be the driving force for how you're doing investing in large part because your investments shouldn't be short, quick-term decisions where you've decided, oh, I just got to go buy this right now. Your investment decisions should be made with a lot of thought and a lot of process behind it because short and quick decisions is where you can lead to mistakes. Okay, so those are your key priorities. The next step that I want to address is really talking about other distractions. This is the stuff that brokerage companies will market to you that don't really matter. Um, you shouldn't be making your decisions on these things, even though they're going to sound great, um, even though they, they make a big deal about them, they are not your primary focus. So number one thing, and this is, I think, the one that I hear the most, is, oh, they have you know, this company has really good stock research. You know, they have a lot of great tools. You know, they have things that you can use to, you know, they, they show you well that you're great information on the stock. It shows you, you know, um, everything you need to know. They have research reports. That stuff isn't useful for you. In fact, it's most of the time a distraction that will cause you to have a lower return than you would otherwise have by focusing on that. This opinion of mine is not mainstream. The main thing that people sell, they're going to sell you on the fact, hey, we have access to all these research reports. You have analysts giving their buy and sell opinions. And this is going to allow you to outperform investments. That's just simply not true. The number one thing that you need to remember about stock research or mutual fund research is that you need to do your own research. So I even talk on my website about all these different ways that you should research companies, about the different research I'm doing, but at the end of the day, you need to do your own research. You know, Warren Buffett is very fond of saying that don't invest outside of your circle of competence. Don't buy an investment that you don't understand. And what's and that's really the key is that you need to understand your investments and that doesn't come from reading an analyst's opinion on the investment. It can be a contributing factor, but the key point is that you need to do your own research. And all the available research that you need on any investment is available in publicly disclosed documents that every company that reports to the SEC in the United States has to provide. Now again, foreign countries have different bodies they report to and different sources where you can get the information. But in the United States and other of these major countries that I listed, you're able to get all the research information you need is publicly disclosed by these companies. They have to provide this information to potential investors. So you don't need anything from your brokerage firm in the terms of research. They might provide it. That's great. But in general, these are, are distracting. They are they are a distraction from good, solid, proper investment research. So don't let the marketing get to you on that. The second thing is you know stock stock charting tools. So being able to see the stock price of a stock, you know, for one year, five years, twenty years, you know, have have really cool. Um, 
pieces of information in it, such as, you know, different technical indicators, moving averages, head and shoulder patterns, and all the stuff that goes into technical analysis, that stuff is a major distraction. Technical analysis is primarily based upon a lie, and the lie is what's called the efficient market hypothesis. I've done an extensive case study on my website about the efficient market hypothesis, where I break down how there's a lot of embedded assumptions that are wrong. And pretty much if you put garbage into a hypothesis, you're going to get garbage out. And that's what happens with the efficient market hypothesis. The efficient market hypothesis is garbage. And technical analysis, which is what all the charting tools are based upon, is garbage then because it's based upon this efficient market hypothesis. Now, again, this isn't super mainstream, but it's the general tack that value investors would take. Value investors are focusing on buying stocks and investments at a price lower than their value. While technical analysis believes that you can predict price changes in advance, that you can see the future with a crystal ball, which they call a stock chart. So remember, your focus needs to be on fundamental analysis. And that's one of the key aspects of DIYinvesting.org is to show you and give examples of how to perform fundamental analysis because it allows you to cut through all of this junk that gets in the way of making a strong and proper investment decision. So number three is stock screeners. Now, stock screeners are kind of nice. It's nice when you're trying to figure out investments, you know, figure out what to invest in, to search in. It's like, oh, I want a company that has this level of profitability. They've, you know, they're making this much money. They, they pay a dividend. Stock screeners can be kind of nice. But one of the things to remember is that you need to be investing in what you know. And a lot of times, especially for most DIY investors, you already have tons of ideas of companies that you could research and invest in that are sitting right in front of you that you don't need a stock screener to find. You know, so Disney just released the newest Avengers Infinity War movie, and they've been releasing Avengers movies year after year after year. And millions of people are seeing these movies. They're earning billions of dollars from these movies that are being released every year. And all it takes to know that that's a decent investment idea to at least start your research is that you are going to see that movie. You know, everyone around you is talking about this movie and all that money is going to Disney shareholders. So that's just one example. You can see it with Apple. They have the iPhone. Millions of people have the iPhone. Samsung is producing the Galaxy phones. You can look up Samsung and see if they're good investment ideas. You can start, for most people, should start by looking around at what they're doing every day. Where do you eat to restaurants? Do you have a habit where you do something every day? Do you go to Starbucks every day to buy Starbucks? Well, if you're doing it, there's probably millions of other people with the same habit. So why don't you study Starbucks and see if they're a good investment? I'll give you a hint. They've been a very good investment over the last 10 to 20 years. So really, you don't need a stock screener to start. They can be helpful, but there's plenty of free stock screeners available that you can find outside of your brokerage company. In addition, Almost every broker has some form of stock screener. So you're going to be able to find what you need because they all have one. And so because they have stock screeners, it's not a real selling point between one or the other. The ones they have are all roughly similar. They all roughly do the same thing. So you really don't need to use it as a differentiating feature.
Okay, so that sums up some of the things that I don't really think matter, but I think that oftentimes get hyped up and talked about is this, you know, really focusing on all these little tools and things that the brokerage company gives you that you really don't need. All you're focusing on is I need to buy my investments as cheap as possible. And if you focus on buying what investments you want as cheap as possible, you're going to get the right result. Okay. So I have four recommended brokerage companies. And what, what we're going to do is we're going to talk through each of them in the context of our priorities that we stated before. So these recommended brokerage companies, I have personally interacted with all four of these providers in one way or another. I've either had an account with them directly or I've interacted with their company in some way. So I would not recommend a brokerage company simply because I'm being paid to do so. You could not pay me to get on my list of recommended brokerage companies because my goal is to serve you and give you the best options for brokerage companies. So I'm only going to make recommendations based upon my either my own personal experience or analysis of their offerings. So I have four companies on this list, and I think it covers a wide range of all the different types of investors that might be listening to this podcast. So number one is Ally Invest. Number two is Fidelity Investments. Number three is Vanguard. And number four is Motif Investing. So before I dive into each of these, I think that we really need to understand that you know there's different types of investors. If you're listening to this podcast, you could probably put yourself into one of these buckets. And these buckets kind of go along the lines of... So there's a range of these buckets that are from a range of passive to active. So if you're a purely passive investor, then the way that I would describe that is someone who just wants to set it and forget it. You're investing because you've been told and you've heard that it's important to invest your money so that you can retire, so that you can build financial independence. And you don't, you're not really interested in investments. You're not interested in researching stocks. You're not interested in even understanding much about them. And your goal is to find a good solution, put your money into it, and not think about it for 30 years. You know, maybe check it once a year, see what's up to, you know, see what the balance is, but otherwise ignore it completely. Because what you want is you want to go to work, you want to make your money, you want to put it into an investment, and then you want to spend the rest of your time with your family, your friends, and just do your thing. If that's you, you're, I would, what I would consider is a purely passive investor. And purely passive investors should choose Vanguard. Vanguard specializes in index funds and ETFs. And that investment style is ideal for someone that just wants to set and forget a solution. Because what you can do is you can set up automatic investments, you can sign up for their account, and you go into that account and you just say, hey, I'm going to invest $1,000 a month, $500 a month, you know, $2,000 a month, whatever your means is for investment. You choose which one you want. And after setting it up, you can just leave it alone. And your money's going to grow over time, you know, assuming you've made the right choices, that's going to work for you. So if you're listening to this and you say, you know what, that sounds like me, I highly recommend Vanguard. And so the way that you can get to Vanguard is you can look at it in Google, or if you want a direct link, you can go to diyinvesting.org slash Vanguard, which is V-A-N-G-U-A-R-D. That's diyinvesting.org slash Vanguard, which is V-A-N-G-U-A-R-D. Now, so the next 
step up this range from passive to active is let's say you 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 want to be mostly passive but you're willing to learn just even a little bit amount of in, about investing. You're kind of interested in understanding how your money works. You know, you, you don't have a lot of time to throw into investing, but you want to get make sure you're getting a really good solution. And so you want to make sure that, you know, just I want to be a little bit more informed and maybe I'll get a little bit better result or I'll be a little bit more comfortable with what's going on in my investments than this purely passive, but you're still going to be mostly passive. You know, you still want a solution that, you know, it's not set it and forget it, but maybe it's, you know, set it up and and check in every once in a while, but you're not spending every day. You're not spending every week um, kind of thinking about investing. You're just doing it on a regular checkup basis. And then if, if that fits you, then I think you'd really fit um, what I'd call kind of like a most of, mostly passive investing style where you're willing to do initial research into different strategies. Um, you're really to do the upfront investment and understanding strategies, understanding a few stocks that are good ideas, but not doing this on an ongoing basis forever. It's kind of like you do an upfront investment type thing and of time and effort, and then you have kind of minimal maintenance. If that fits you and you're listening to this, um, then really my best recommendation is motif investing and motif investing. What they specialize in is kind of what I would call like a create your own index fund or create your own, uh, mutual fund. And the reason this is useful is that you are able to leverage, um, the investment fact of being fairly passive, um, but instead of having ongoing annual fees by letting a fund manager run everything, you can eliminate that ongoing annual fee and just have the upfront commission. Um, for instance, if Vanguard, even though it's relatively low annual fees, uh, and you know, in the low um, single, you know, like 0.1% per year of your investment, you might pay in an annual fee. That can add up over time. But with Motif Investing, when you buy, you can buy like a set of 30 stocks all at once which, you know, the Dow, you know, the Dow 30 is just a set of 30 stocks. So if you buy a Dow index fund, you would be investing in that index fund, but you'd have to pay, let's say Vanguard, an annual fee to keep your money there. But if you want, you can go to Motif Investing and buy an exact copy of the Dow, um, the same 30 companies, maybe in slightly different weightings, and all you have to pay is the $9.95 upfront commission cost. There's no annual fee. So your money, you can put in $10,000 a month in that account. You can grow that account to $10 million and pay zero annual fees on that money. Versus if you had $10 million in a Vanguard account, you might be paying $10,000 a year or more. I haven't done the math exactly on that. Um, but the basic idea is that that allows you to get a better return perhaps than a Vanguard index fund because you're buying into kind of like a created your own index. Um, and if you don't want to create it yourself, I've already created a few for you. So um, you can find, you can go to Motif Investing yourself if you want by going to diyinvesting.org slash motif, which is M-O-T-I-F, which is diyinvesting.org slash motif. Or if you want to go directly to some of the motifs that I've made, I can give you some links for those specifically. So I've actually copied the DAO um, 
you know, the 30 stocks of the Dow index, and I've just put them into a motif for you. So you can go and just click bam. And as soon as you set up your motif account and you put your money in, you could buy that index. And you can get to that one at diyinvesting.org slash Dow 30. So that's D-O-W 30. So diyinvesting.org slash D-O-W 30. Alternatively, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, I guess it wasn't previous, but one of the earlier podcasts, I talk about the magic formula by Joel Greenbat. And I've also created a motif investing index for the that magic formula. And so you can buy 30 stocks selected from the magic formula and you can get there by going to diyinvesting.org slash magic formula. So there's a few different ideas and I have other ones that I'll be publishing over time um, that give you options where you can do the research to what's making up like the Dow. You know, why is that chosen? Why are they good companies? They're, they're designed to last. They're kind of industry leaders. Um, and you can buy all 30 of them. You know, simple fee, no one ongoing um, costs, um, or the magic formula or others, which I've also selected my own, um, kind of generational wealth index companies, uh, which I don't yet have a link set up for that, but I, I guess I can create one for you. So if we just say, um, diyinvesting.org slash generation, cause it's designed to be companies that you can hold for multiple generations, you know, be kind of these forever companies. Uh, I'll set up a link to that at diyinvesting.org slash generation. If you want to check that one out as well. So that's a one for the, again, for the people that I really feel like, you know, they want to be mostly passive, but they want to understand a little bit more about what goes into making their investments than simply handing it off to an index fund manager or a mutual fund manager and letting their money be managed without them. Because really what you want to do is you want to understand why you're investing in something and how you're investing in something. And that's how you're going to do the West. So there's two remaining um, brokerage companies. The first one I want to talk about is Fidelity Investments. And the second one is Ally Invest. So Fidelity Investments is the company I use personally. Um, this is a, so that both of these invest, both of these brokerage companies, Fidelity and Ally Invest are great options. Um, and they're primarily designed for the, the investors that shift more towards that active investor. And I'm not saying active instead with the idea of making a lot of trades that you're a day trader or, you know, you're a weekly trader. I'm not saying that that's not what active means for my context. Active means that you are taking an active interest in your investments. You're willing to do some research to buy individual stocks. It doesn't need to be a huge amount, but you need to, you're going to choose to understand a little bit more about your investments so that you can sleep better at night. You're going to put some time in to understanding what buying individual stocks is and both fidelity and ally invest are those good choices for an active investor someone who's really doing the true diy investing and they're putting that time in if that's you which is one of the central focuses of this podcast and the website although i'm providing the tools and resources for all spectrum of investors if that's you i highly encourage fidelity or ally invest And the reason is, is that these companies specialize in providing low cost investments for you. They have both have a wide range of available option choices, but they're relatively low cost. So Fidelity, you can buy and sell stocks at $4.95 a trade, which is industry low. In addition, the same is true with Ally Invest. It's $4.95 a trade. Although with Ally Invest, you can get even cheaper cheaper prices at $3.95 per trade 
if you have at least $100,000 in your account. So especially Ally Invest is designed for people that have growing investments. They, you know, they plan to be there for a long time. They're going to have even cheaper prices once they start reaching a threshold of, say, $100,000. So why do I use Fidelity and not Ally Invest then? So there's really only one reason why I'm using Fidelity as my account instead of Ally Invest, and that's because my employer for my day job has retirement accounts at Fidelity. If there weren't retirement accounts at Fidelity, then I wouldn't be using Fidelity. I'd be using Ally Invest because Fidelity, it's really nice to have all your accounts in the same spot. It's not ideal to have multiple investment accounts in different locations. So I like the fact that I can access both my 401k and my taxable investments at Fidelity. Or I, you know, and I can see those investments all together as a single output. Um, And that's the main reason I'm at Fidelity. It's cheap enough where it's not worth it to have... um, anything over at Ally Invest if I was over $100,000 in investments. And it's at a reasonable amount where um, you, you get all the other stuff that you know the, out, the other one's going to give you. You get your stock research, you get charting tools, you get your screeners, um, but the, the costs are exactly the same at $495. But the reason I like Ally Invest more is just because I prefer the customer service at Ally Invest. One of you might have heard of Ally Invest before under a different name. So Ally Invest used to be known as Trade King. And Trade King had the reputation as the industry leader in customer service. And this is where I said again, it's customer service really makes a good tiebreaker. So if you couldn't really decide between Ally Invest and Fidelity, I think Ally Invest is a good tiebreaker due to the historic um, customer service of Trade King. I also use Ally as my bank provider. And because they're my bank provider, and it would make it even easier to have both the bank accounts and the investment accounts at the same place. Um, And so Ally is my preferred bank provider that I recommend to people for an online bank. They have high interest rates. I've worked extensively with their customer service and found them to be very helpful, um, both the banking, mortgage, all those sorts of things. They're a very helpful provider um, that you can go through. And so because of that, that's the one I really lean people towards. But if you're at Fidelity or you're at out, I mean, don't, don't worry about changing. I think they're both great options. Um, so again, the, the, the stock price cost, if you want to access Fidelity, um, you, again, you can search it in Google or you can go through uh, the forwarding link that I've set up both in the description, you know, the podcast description, or you can click just DIYinvesting.org slash Fidelity, which is F-I-D-E-L-I-T-Y. So that's one option. Or if you prefer the ally option, then you can go to DIYinvesting.org slash ally, which is A-L-L-Y. So DIYinvesting.org slash ally. So that's where you can really get those. I highly recommend both of those accounts. Um, And Specifically with Ally, I am an affiliate of Ally. I'm not an affiliate of the other companies at this time. Um, So if you were to sign up for an account with Ally Invest, I would receive a small commission at no additional cost to you. Um, But again, I've worked extensively with their customer service um, and have found them to be incredibly helpful. And they've also won awards over time for, you know, they've also have a high reputation for customer service, which is where I get that balance leaning in their favor. Um, 
So again, any of these options are good. Um, one thing that I would mention, if you're not looking to get a broker right now, because you already have a broker, how would you think about whether it's worth changing? And this is what it really comes down to. Most likely, if you already have a broker, you've already hit that number one area. You, you, the, the investments you have are the investments that you want. You're able to buy the stocks you want or you're able to buy the mutual funds you want. So if the, the brokerage company that you're with now already meets that, then you need to think about cost. So is your provider the low cost provider for what you're doing? And the low cost that I'm talking about, you know, so if you're buying mutual funds and ETFs, the top two companies for cheap mutual funds and ETFs are Vanguard and Fidelity. Vanguard specializes in mutual funds and ETFs. That's why I recommend those for the super passive, purely passive investors. But Fidelity also has incredibly low mutual fund and ETFs that are available for investors. So you can still choose Fidelity and get great mutual fund and ETFs. But if you're with another company, you don't necessarily need to think about changing unless your costs are higher. So I would take a look at what an equivalent mutual fund is at, say, Vanguard or or, um, Fidelity in that case. Or if you're buying stocks and you're paying um, a higher commission rate for a single stock than $4.95, maybe it's worth considering switching to another brokerage company. A lot of times, and I know specifically with Ally and Fidelity, they have deals where if you transfer your account, you'll get free trades in the new account so that you can set it up to however many stocks that you want to buy. Um, just simply by transferring your account from one to the other, to that new brokerage fund. And a lot of times they'll cover your transferring fees. So you can reach out specifically for them and there's a whole process where you can go about doing that. So really, you want to be thinking about, are my cost better? So if you're, if you're paying individual stock costs higher than 495, it might be worth considering changing. But again, there is a cost of time spent doing that. Or if you're investing you know, in mutual funds and you have a higher cost than the Vanguard and Fidelity ones, it might be worth changing. One of the ones that, my guess is that most of you aren't investing with is Motif Investing. Motif Investing is a really innovative company because what they're doing is they're providing a solution to allow you to buy your whole portfolio for $9.95. Because you can buy 30 stocks or you can throw even ETFs or mutual funds into that list of the ones that they have available. I think it's just ETFs actually. but you can throw your ETFs in there, you know, maybe three ETFs and 27 stocks, and you can buy that and you get the whole group for $9.95, no matter how much money you're putting into that. That's a really innovative solution for investors because what it allows you to do is, let's say, even if you're an active investor and you're buying, you know, you found 10 companies that you really like and you just want to buy those 10 companies and not worry about other companies, you don't have to go to Fidelity or Ally and pay $4.95 each for those 10 companies and spend $50 buying those 10 companies. You can go to Motif and buy all 10 companies for just one cost of $9.95. You buy them all at once. And that's a really good solution. Now, it's not perfect um, because sometimes there's that better solution of, you know, maybe they're not all priced, you know, at what you want to buy at the same time. But again, Motif still offers a low price cost for individual stocks. So, it's a great solution that I, I think it's worth considering. And I found that their interface works very well at understanding how your investments are working over time, but also just 
looking at being able to buy a full portfolio with just one click is really nice. And that's why I've chosen to set up those portfolios that I mentioned before, um, which I believe were DIYinvesting.org slash DAO30, DIYinvesting.org slash generation, and DIYinvesting.org slash magic formula. So that about sums up the, how I recommend you buying an individual company. Just to summarize, you know, there's three priorities you want to think about. You know, you want to have your stock or investment mutual fund availability. Number two, you want low costs and your, your lowest priority that you want to look at is customer service and really use customer service as a tiebreaker. Um, the advertised stock research, advertised stock charting tools and stock screeners really are distractions. Don't use them to get in the way. And the four companies that I recommend are Ally Invest, Fidelity Investments, Vanguard, and Motif Investing. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Please leave a review in the podcast player that you're using, whether it be iTunes, um, Google Play, whatever you're using, please leave a review. That really helps me to grow the podcast. And please consider sharing it with your friends. If you want the full show notes, you can find a link to that in the podcast description. In the podcast description. Or you can just go to DIYinvesting.org slash episode 8. That's DIYinvesting.org slash episode 8. And you'll be able to find the full show notes online at my website. Thank you very much. And I look forward to hearing you here next time. Look forward to having you here next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast.